Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Grace Church. If this is your first time tuning in with us, welcome. We're so thankful um, to have you here. Please, uh, if you feel like you want to, feel free to drop comments. We have comment moderators, so discussion can take place during this sermon, if that's what we're going to call it. Um, I think that's one of, as much as I miss being inside the church, I really enjoy seeing people's kind of like streams of consciousness as they're listening um, to someone talk about a subject. So please uh, do that if you feel so inclined. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Becky and I live and work in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I wear a lot of hats here. So in one respect, I am an event director, or was, since we're not having events in 2020. Um, my So my event that I founded is called Grit Mountain Bike Festival, and it is an event for women, cis and trans, and non-binary people to come together for three days of camping and we ride mountain bikes together and have a great time. Um, I also do a lot of supplemental work for cycling companies in this area and kind of everything that I do is at an intersection of cycling and then also basically any social justice issue you can think of, whether it's gender, race, class, body size and type, environmentalism, um, and I help companies see and understand how these things all intersect and work together. I am super excited about our text this morning. We are going to be in Acts 28. We are finishing up Acts today, um, and... I have been so, I have found so much hope in this story. I think it's extremely relevant for what we are going through right now. So I want you to, we're going to put the text up on the screen. Uh, read it. If you feel so inclined, maybe even read it out loud. When John Ray first asked us to do this, I was alone in my house and I was like, that's kind of weird. Just reading to myself. But it actually really does help me. Um, it's kind of like a cue to my brain, like, okay, we're focusing, we're comprehending. Um, so we'll do that right now. There's a lot going on in this one chapter of Acts. Uh, first of all, Paul has been tossed around in the sea for weeks in the winter, and he is shipwrecked on an island Thankfully, the people on the island are very hospitable, uh, and poor Paul is just trying to make a fire so he can warm himself and the people that were on his ship up, and a snake comes out and wraps itself around Paul's wrist. But what I find even more interesting is how quickly these locals judge this man that they've never even met. 
He's a, he must be a murderer. Wow. Uh, but we also do this for one another all of the time, do we not? We, you might see the artwork hanging on my walls and think she must look, be really artsy. Uh, we can look at a resume and without even trying to, our brain is assigning a gender to this person based on the name that we see. Or maybe we, we see a stranger out in public and we assume their sexuality based on how they're dressed. Or we follow so people on social media that we've never even met and we judge this person's entire moral character by what we see on their social media. Back to Paul. Paul shakes the snake off his wrist and when he doesn't swell up and die, these locals make an extreme judgment in the complete opposite direction. He must be a god. We do this too. We look at the woman who has a career and a family and assume that she's doing it all and balancing everything. We assume that the very articulate black person must be so educated. We assume that because someone posts Bible verses on their social media, that they are seeking the Lord. Friends, I propose to us today that judgment in any form does not serve the greater good. And it does not serve God. Judgment only serves our own internal biases. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Let's go back to Paul. So, Paul is shipwrecked on this island and then he gets a boat to Rome where he's been trying to get so he can make his appeal to Caesar and when he finally gets to Rome he's allowed to get a house that's and he gets to live alone and it's only guarded by one person and um he is in the world epicenter of education progressive thinking, of discourse. These people live to just sit in the library and argue. Um, they derive meaning and value from feeling educated. So, I want to, I think that there's a lot of parallels between Rome and America, right? We also place a lot of value on education. We place a lot of value on um, being able to debate. We place a lot of value on, or some people do, place a lot of value on calling themselves progressive and forward thinking and liberal. 
um, especially in a college town, right? I want to point out a few things that are happening in this story that I think are also happening right now in America. So number one is that Paul's imprisonment hinges on racial tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews are have done everything in their power to stop Paul from taking the gospel to the Gentiles, but Paul recognized that the gospel and God are not finite. He understood that the gospel was for all people, but Paul didn't just sit around and say the gospel is for all people. No, Paul went out on a mission to travel to take the gospel to this group of people who he said their name, the Gentiles, and he dignified them in front of the Jews who were venomously trying to stop his work and ultimately immobilize the gospel. So, I see parallels here between Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter. And because of the work that I do, I am constantly having conversations in my professional life and my personal life about social justice issues. And one of the roadblocks that I run into with people who practice Christianity is they think that the Bible doesn't talk about racial tension. But... That is not correct. In America, we have lost the ability or we do not practice reading a text as it is for a story and deriving information or exploring the implications of the story. And I think that these past few weeks, as we have continued to see how the Jews tried to stop Paul from taking the gospel to the Gentiles, we've seen a lot of racial tension, um, a lot of harm being done by these people in privileged positions, and how they were they were blindly. trying to keep God from the Gentiles. And as Christians, I think any of us would read this and be like, oh, how could they do that? Well, that is the danger of complicity. And Paul, as he is in Rome, and teaching these people are gathering and he's teaching them about God and some believe and some don't. Uh, and Paul references Isaiah, which I think is kind of the main point of this text. He says, 
The Holy Spirit spoke rightly to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah when he said, Go to this people and say, You will keep on hearing, but will never understand. And you will keep on looking, but will never perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and they have closed their eyes so that they would not see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Friends, this is us in America. If you have the privilege of a white complexion, if you have financial privilege and live comfortably within your means and do not worry about putting food on the table, if you identify as the gender that was given to you at birth, if you are attracted to humans of the opposite sex from what you are, if you practice the majority accepted religion in this country, which is Christianity, if you are thin and you match American beauty standards, if you are male, We have been given massive amounts of unearned advantages and privileges in this country at the sacrifice of others who do not have these same privileges. And this has allowed us to live complicit lives. When you are in elementary school in America, you learn about the mass genocide and moving of Native American people. Through Western expansion, but we don't, we fail to understand the ramifications that continue, that indigenous people continue to feel to this very day. The ramifications of not having access to good healthcare, the ramifications of generational trauma, of watching people come and take your land and terrorize it and its resources and your women for centuries, destroying what you preserved every day for generations, gone.
we heard about it, but we don't understand it. We do not understand how truly horrendous that was and is still. Another example, we see black and brown people dying in the streets, but we fail to perceive how governmental, educational, healthcare, prison systems, and more contribute to more innocent black and brown lives being lost in this country every day. Our complicitness, our privilege has allowed us to not see it and our complicitness allows it to continue happening. So this begs the question that everyone asks, which is what do we do? What do we do? What difference can we make? What difference can I make? What in my lifetime, is it even possible? A few weeks ago, I did a workshop with um, Pastor Sam Collier was one of the speakers and um, it was put on through the Preemptive Love Coalition and Be The Bridge, which are two organizations I would highly recommend checking out if you are um, interested in racial reconciliation, which I hope every single one of us is. Um, but in this workshop, Sam Collier said, you didn't build this. You didn't build these systems. You didn't create these problems, but we are all responsible for finding solutions and dismantling systems that oppress people. Okay, so that feels overwhelming. And that still doesn't answer the question of what do we do? We understand the problem. We understand complicity and how it contributes to the problem. Uh, and we understand that we have to be part of the solution, but what do we do? So I have talked, uh, as I mentioned, I've had a lot of conversations about this a lot of them with Christians. And another one of the things that I hear a lot is all we can do is pray. And I disagree. I disagree. I fully believe in prayer and that God works miracles, but prayer does not excuse complicity. Instead of praying for all of the other people and their suffering, what if instead we prayed for ourselves and our own ability to understand? If you're watching this and you're white, we need to understand that our own bias and internalized whiteness 
So we can begin to deconstruct these things within ourselves because we cannot deconstruct them in our social circles, in our churches, in our workplaces, in our communities, in our nation, and ultimately around the world if we are not deconstructing them within ourselves. And these problems are all over the world. They're not just in America. So my challenge to you is to pray the pray this passage from Isaiah as a prayer. God, when I hear, help me to understand. When I see, help me to perceive what is really going on. And God, don't let my heart become dull. Please, God, don't let me become complicit. So what does this look like in day-to-day -day life? If you see someone on social media say, defund the police, don't pray for them. Pray for yourself. God, help me. What does this mean? And please help me understand. If you see a sign that says trans lives matter, don't let your prayer stop at praying for trans people. Pray also, God, help me to understand how I can fight for the rights of the trans community so that they can experience the same safety and freedoms that I enjoy every single day. Because friends, I promise that if you are seeking to understand, if you really and truly are, it will become crystal clear that trans people do not experience the same safety and freedoms that we do every single day. Paul referenced Isaiah as a warning to the people that he was speaking with, but it was also an invitation, an invitation to not be complicit. I hate it when people say, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on this one because that immobilizes our work. That, when we agree to disagree, we run the risk of continuing to live within our own internal bias and operating with the same blind spots that we've had our entire lives. We see this in the text too. It says they were gathered around and Paul is teaching them about God. And some believed and some didn't and they couldn't disagree. So they began to leave. Understanding truly understanding takes a lot of learning and even unlearning from all of us. Thankfully, there are great resources. Um, and they're all, you can find them in the learning guide this week 
on a bunch of different topics. And we have this passage from Isaiah that we can use in prayer to ask God to keep us from becoming complicit. Because maybe the miracle that we need isn't out there. Maybe the miracle that we need is within ourselves. I want to leave you with one last thing. Well, maybe two things. One, this is overwhelming. It is very easy to begin to feel full of dread and frustration on these issues. Um, and if you do start to feel that way, I highly recommend that you talk to a mental health professional. A therapist can be extremely helpful as we begin to deconstruct, well, as we begin to confront our own privileges and then furthermore deconstruct our own internal bias. Um, I would not be where I am today without my therapist. Shout out to Kathy. Kathy has helped me tremendously over the last few years. And this is not hopeless, friends. The book of Acts spans 30 years after Jesus' crucifixion when a handful of men and women were willing to travel in order to spread the gospel. And now we have modern Christianity because of it. 30 years. That's, I'll be 55 in 30 years. That's like the middle of my lifetime. Hopefully. Hope is not lost. It looks hopeless. But it's not lost. We are going to take communion now. So I invite you to gather your elements. Maybe take a deep breath. It's a lot to process. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. God, we come to you today. God, do not let our hearts become dull. 
and forgive us for the times that we have been complicit. God, we don't want to go back to complicit. We don't want to go back to the way that things were because now we know, we know the harm that was being done. God, lead us, lead us into a new understanding. And even on the days that it is so hard and we, we want to turn away. And maybe we do need to take a rest. Even Jesus rested during his ministry. Thank you. Thank you for that example. May we come back stronger, eyes open, wider, ears and hearts ready to listen and seek to understand God. It's in your name we pray. Amen.